0: Jaden, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Matter of fact, I am always thrilled to see these young guys that are getting up nowadays and kind of stepping up to the bar and beginning to lead Scripture and uh, the geriatrics that are leading our singing. And <laughs> if those in the back didn't hear what happened up here, J.D., as soon as I said something about the young guys, he said, thank you. So, <laughs> uh, By this point, I know a bunch of you have noticed that Josh is here this morning. And I'm sure that you're sitting there right this moment hoping against hope that I'm simply up here to introduce him, right? (laughs) I know what you're thinking. (laughs) I did my best. He wanted to take a Sunday off. So moi is all you've got, okay? Just go ahead and get that one out of the way. Um, I guess everybody's had a pretty good time, right? I mean, we had Christmas together. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that uh, none of us got too radically crazy and fail to have at least a little bit of time with our family and catch up on things and open some nice gifts, I hope, and eat some really great food and some things we probably should not have eaten as much of. Uh, but but I, I'm hoping that you had a good time. And I guess you've heard all the grandkids jokes, right? I mean, I mean, we've had a house full of grandkids. By the way, does anybody in here know what makes this sound? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Anybody know what that is? That's the cow without any lips. Mm. I thought that was funny. I mean, I've got Helen back here giggling, but I mean, nobody else is excited. I thought that was a great one. Well, anyways, it just tells you what it takes to get my brain spinning, I guess. But anyways, I am happy to see everyone here this morning. And this morning, I kind of wanted to sort of kick this thing off with a simple, simple question. Matter of fact, if you guys can help me get over here, we'll go. Try it again. There we go with a simple question. (laughs) And that question is this. How many of us in this room right now, raise your hands if you agree with this, would categorize yourself as a Christian? Just raise your hand. Yeah, just about everybody in here, right? Now that word Christian is a word that's used in the Bible. We know that. By the way, does anybody know how many times the word Christian is spoken in the Bible? Anybody? Did I hear a guess back here? Twice I'm getting up here. Somebody else? Anybody else? Well, actually, it's mentioned three times in our Bibles, okay? But there's another word that is used scores and scores of times. That word is disciple. You see, as God followers and as Christ lovers... We need to be the people who understand that Christianity is not just some cultural event that, that we're kind of a part of. I mean, it's not a matter of showing up here at church on Sundays. I mean, that's part of it, I guess. It's not just an issue of, of you know, saying grace before we eat and doing some Christian things and kind of staying away from some of the senior things in this world. That's not, that's not Christianity. Christianity and true discipleship mean totally giving things over to, to our God, to doing things a little bit differently. And this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about that. By the way, uh, if you want to learn a little bit of Hebrew, we're going to do that right now. The word disciple in Hebrew is Talmudine. Can, can we say that together? Talmudine. One more time, Talmudine. Yeah, now, now everybody in here knows a little bit of Hebrew. That's the word that our word disciple comes from. Um, it has to do with understanding that to be a disciple that individual is nothing more than a follower uh, he's an individual who learns and a student and probably the very best word a disciple is 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 he's an apprentice he's the individual that hangs out with the rabbi with the teacher and learns and 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 just completely pours his life into this so This is the person who decides that he wants to spend his life doing what that rabbi does. So again today I want to share with you three concepts real quickly and they're all going to I hope dovetail together here as we get into them. I want to talk to you a little bit about the three things that a disciple does. I also want to talk to you a little bit about the progress of a disciple's life. And finally I want to talk to you a little bit about the next steps that we may want to think about going into 2021 here. That's the plan, and here we go. We're going to look at that passage that Jane was kind enough to read to us. And if you have your Bibles, turn over, if you will, please, to John chapter 1, starting at verse 35. You're going to need to keep that open as we go through this this morning, because I'm going to refer back to it a few times. But to give you a little bit of background here, so that we all sort of understand this. By the way, do I have a... Yeah, I do. I've got a little thing on here that is completely unseeable. (laughs) I've got a little red dot up there. But let me just kind of give us a little bit of background. This whole area right here, this entire region, is on the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. And if we follow this map on down, about where I'm standing right now, this would be where Africa is. And then up in the north there, that's Greece. And over here, you're going to get get kicked by the boot of Italy if you go any further. But this is the far eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Jesus, we know from the Scriptures, grew up in a little seedy town named Nazareth. This was a town that even in his day was considered kind of a grubby little off the road nothing of a town. Bonnie and I have been there. I'm here to tell you to to this very day it's a little off the road grubby city now. It's a nasty place. I did not enjoy Nazareth at all. I guess I kind of hoped that it would be kind of quaint and kind of look the way I thought it was supposed to look. It did not look that way. However, as Jesus got older, he moved and he lived up here in this city, city of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum, by the way, these days is still pristine. Uh, You can go to Capernaum and literally find ruins that date back to the first century. You can walk down areas of of, of Capernaum where Jesus Christ very likely himself walked 2,000 years ago. But this is where Jesus grew up. Now, on this particular day we're going to be looking at this passage in the, in the book of John. On this particular day Jesus has gone through Samaria and He's come down here into southern Judea. Right here is the capital of Judaism. It's the city of Jerusalem. And of course, we're gonna be talking about a, an, a, an event that actually occurred in Bethany. Now you think, oh, it's this Bethany right here that's just outside of Jerusalem to the south. That's where some of Jesus' friends lived, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, they all live there. But this is not the Bethany where John the baptizer was doing his work, where he was ministering. Actually, John was across on the other side. Of the Jordan River in another town named Bethany. That's where he was, and it was a real, real wilderness area. This was the desert. This is where John, who was the first cousin of Jesus Christ, was carrying out his ministry. John predated Jesus, he was born about six months before Christ. Jesus, uh, John had come into the world, and his God given responsibility. His ministry was essentially to prepare a way for Jesus who was coming. And he was the one that was telling people to repent of their sins, to be baptized for for, 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 for you know for their repentance and, and of their sins and so forth. And on this particular day John is right over here doing what he does. He's teaching about the coming of Christ. And he has with him some, of, some guys who are his disciples. John the baptizer was himself a rabbi. And these guys were hanging out with John. We're going to look at a couple of these men. We know that one of them was named Andrew. The other, that is an unnamed disciple, was very likely John, who is the fellow who is writing the book that this is recorded in. And by the way, the book of John is one of four books in our New Testament that we call the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the books that tell the story of Christ's life. And it's in this book written by the man who is an apostle of Jesus, John. That we read this story. And John very likely was referring to himself as the other of these two apostles. But the one we're gonna zero in on probably the most here was gonna be Andrew. Now, again, this is what was going on. And on this particular day, as Jane was good enough to read to us a while ago, Jesus comes into the picture, literally into the, the picture. John looks up and he sees Jesus. And like a good servant does, he steps back and he honors his Lord. He says, here is here's the Christ. And with that these two disciples of John, Andrew and probably uh, these disciples of John the Baptist, Andrew and probably John the Apostle to be see this going on and with with John the Baptist's good graces they step away from John the Baptist and begin to follow Jesus. That's what's going on in this, in this piece of, uh, of Scripture that we're going to be reading. So with that Let me just read this to us one more time so we'll have it under our belts. Now the next day John was there again with his two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by he said, look the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this they followed Jesus. Turning around Jesus saw them following him and he asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said, come and you'll see. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Some of your Bibles say it was the 10th hour, same difference. But the point is, it was late in the afternoon. They spent the day with him and likely spent the night with him. Um, And uh, down here this was a contraption made out of heavy wood that would be put on the back of a couple of oxen that were Drawing a cart so they would work well in tandem with each other. And there's a lot of, of, uh, that's totally true and there's a lot that we can learn from that picturesque way of discussing this. I mean there's a lot in that. But there's even more that Jesus was using. Jesus made a comment here that was very typical of a lot of rabbis. A lot of rabbis would tell their disciples, take my yoke upon you. And it was essentially a way of saying, "I want you to take the entirety of who I am, what I teach, what engage your life in who I am and what I am." That's what I. That's what I want you to do with yourself. So the first thing, again, we're going to teach, you know, learn from the rabbis' teachings. But secondly, we need to become like our rabbi. This means we're going to do the things our rabbi does. Uh, we're going to learn about our rabbi from the inside out. We're going to become a carbon copy of our rabbi. That's what we. Is that someone, what is that something? And I'm going to give you a quick way to figure that out. Here's all you have to do. What is it that jazzes you? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that kind of twinkles your, your thought processes? Whatever that is, whoever that is, that's your Rabbi. It's a simple thing to figure out. And the question for Christians is, is it Jesus? Because it's hard to claim to be a Christian to be a disciple if Jesus isn't our Rabbi. If He isn't the one that gets us motivated. I'm not saying it's not great to have other passions. I mean we can have passion about sports. We can have passion about doing a job well. A hundred other things. But ultimately bottom line at the end of the day what is it that gets us going? What is it that we stake all of our decisions on? What is it that we stake our and our eternity on. And if it's Jesus, then we're a disciple of Jesus. If it isn't, we need to think hard about some things changing in our new year. The progress of a disciple, there are three steps here too. By the way, I've seen preachers over these years and I've read books where people can break this down into five or ten or probably a hundred different steps. I'm going to simplify this this morning. There are three steps in our discipleship process. The first step, what I like to call the tire kicker stage. This is when we begin to look to Jesus and to his message. We begin to hang out with Jesus and with people who follow Jesus. And we realize that Jesus is the real deal. Then we make this decision just like James and the other disciple of John the Baptist made. We have to make the decision to leave what was behind In other words, to leave the old path and start to follow Jesus himself. And by the way, let me just say this. This is important to understand. We will see Jesus best. I will see Jesus best. You will see Jesus best when you hang out with people who love Jesus the most. That's the key to everything. And I can tell you, having done a lot of teaching, uh, not just in the church world, but also in the corporate world, you will be like the five people that you hang out with the most. Simple math. Who are the five people you hang out with the most? You will tend to be more like them than anybody else on this planet. So it follows then who am I hanging out with? Am I hanging out with people that inspire me to love Jesus more? That challenge me to walk a more holy life before the world? Or am I hanging out with folks that really don't punch me up and help me follow Christ. matter of fact, maybe they kind of get my mind away from Christ too much of the time. Simple stuff. We have to answer that question, you know, whether we're really following Christ. But this is that tire-kicking stage of our lives. This is when we're kind of coming along. We're starting to learn a little bit about Jesus. We're excited. Well, this leads into another stage that I like to call the bobblehead stage. And by the way, I'm using that particular bobblehead because I had one in the 1960s, when I was a kid living in Oak Ridge, sitting at my desk in my bedroom, that looked just like that guy. I loved the Yanks, and, and I, had that, uh, I had that pretty much that same bobblehead sitting there. This is, I, I call bobblehead stage, but I could just as easily call it the toddler stage, okay? Because toddlers have you ever noticed toddlers have a head that's about a third the size of their whole body? And whichever way that head leans, that's what, where the toddler goes. And, and, and this is the way it works out. This is the way it plays out in their lives. First three years of Jesus' 12 apostles, they were all bobbleheads. They were doing all kinds of stupid, dumb things, making comments that made no sense spiritually. They were, they were getting angry. In our lives, does nothing more than clear the path for success tomorrow. We're all screw-ups. Everyone in this room should be very disappointed in yourself at some level. If you understand your sin, if you understand the depravity of what you have done, and I'm not being pejorative here, what I have done, then it's a humbling moment. I mean, we've all messed up. But the cool thing is we can go forward. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You think about it. Toddlers are this very way. You know, when a toddler finally kind of gets up and leans against a couch that first time, you can bet whichever way his head goes, he's going to go, Right? So if his head goes this way, he's going to go this way. And mom and dad are sitting across the living room saying, come on, honey, you can do this. Walk to us. Walk to us. And the child takes a step. And then he takes another step. And then he turns his head this way, and he falls over, right? Now, what does that's a decent human being would ever dream of doing that? That parent is thrilled that that child is taking that first step. They don't want him only to take the first step. They don't want him to lay there until he's 40 before he does something. They want him to come forward again and learn to take more steps. But it's cool. That child has taken a step. Now, folks, that is the way God looks at you. God knows you're going to screw up. He knows you're going to fall over. He knows that you're going to make a couple steps. Lose a step or two backwards. He knows it's going to happen. And that's cool. That's okay. Because Jesus is your salvation. He's the one fixing it all. All Jesus and all that our God has ever asked of us is to put our eyes on him and do what we can to walk his way. You know, you think about this going into 2021, every one of us in this room has one job. And it's the same we have. That job is to simply make the next right decision. That's it. That's all you have to do. Third stage is what I call the lion-hearted stage. This is when we've grown past kicking the tires. We've grown past being a toddler. And now we're growing deeply in the faith. We're still making some mistakes, but not as often. And we're closer, we have a relationship with God where we're far less scared of going to hell than we are of disappointing our God. That's the lion-hearted stage. That's where Andrew got. Andrew started out pretty grubby. He He very likely did not know a single line of scripture before he met John the Baptist. And I doubt that he got into any deep theology with Jesus that afternoon. He may have, I don't know. He was a pretty grubby guy. But after three years of hanging with Jesus, he began his own ministry. He traveled the world. He brought people to Christ everywhere. He built churches. And then, in the final days, when he had made enough enemies because he had stood for Christ, he had been a disciple of that rabbi, and it had cost him everything, the culture turned against him. The Romans turned against him. The Jews turned against him. And they. comes along. And Andrew doesn't want to die like that. Very much the way Peter had been. And Andrew is put on a different kind of a cross. Kind of an X-shaped cross. A a very different thing. And like I said today they call it an Andrew cross. Folks the point is he was willing to die like his rabbi had died. And that's something that is key to I think a lot of this. These are those three stages that I want in my life to go through. So what are our next steps? What are we going to do going into 2021? Well, I guess most of us are going to be very happy to see 2020 go out, right? But what are we going to be like going into 2021? I'm going to make three quick suggestions here. Next steps. Spend time with Jesus. And you can do this in a myriad of ways. Sometimes the best way to spend time with Jesus is to go serve somebody else. Sometimes the best way is to be in your scripture. You should be. Sometimes it's praying. Sometimes it's just simply Thinking about our Christ, meditating, drinking Him in, chewing on Christ. Chewing on Christ in the sense that, that we want to get every delicious taste we can get. We want to we matriculate on it. We want it to pass through our system. We want to feel and know our Jesus. Let me show you a video here that is one of the greatest pieces of theology that you're ever going to see. This is what we need to do with the Word of God. This is one happy dog. Look at him, and you can tell he's smiling, right? Everybody knows he's smiling. This is a happy dog. He's, he's chewed on it, he's gotten something, he's ingesting it, he's gnawing on this bone, and now he's licking it because, oh, it tastes so good. And he's smelling it. Now it's gonna go at it whole hog. He's back into the thing. You could run an army of cats in front of that dog. He would pay no attention. That dog is into that bone. And he's digging it. Listen, I could watch this thing all afternoon long. I won't make you make you do that. But that is what we need to be like with our Christ. This means that we need to chew on Jesus, everything that we're learning about him. We need to drink in, we need to think about. That is the center of it all. Second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna be in community in 2021. That's important. Jesus was always in community, if you think about it. He was always with family, and later he was with his apostles, the 12 of them. And according to scripture, he was probably traveling most of the time with a group of anywhere from 70 to 120 other people. Jesus was in community. Are you in community right now? It's hard to do this year, I understand that. But are we at least on the phone? Are we zooming with friends of ours? Are are we looking to get into a small group, maybe? Are we with people on an intentional basis? That will bring us closer to God. Now does this mean again that we're going to be away from the outside world? I hope not. You cannot reach people for Jesus if you're not out there where the people are. But who are you hanging with the most? Who are you the closest to? And finally we're going to do that very thing. We're going to share Jesus with other folks. I love this passage from our reading today. first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. First thing he did, he didn't take a course in theology. He didn't, he didn't sit down and memorize the Bible or even read the Bible probably. He simply met this Jesus. He knew that it was something special. And he goes and tells his brother. And more than that, he brings his brother with him. Let me just say this. We get scared to death, some of us, when we're told that we need to share Jesus with others. And I think that there are a couple of reasons for that. One of the reasons is this. Sometimes we don't want to do it because we're embarrassed. And if that's what you're dealing with, that is a sin that you need to repent of. If you're embarrassed by Jesus, according to what He says, if you deny Him here, He will deny That's serious. There's no room for embarrassment. But I don't think that's the issue for most of us. I think the real issue for most of us is that we're a little bit overwhelmed. How am I going to do this? How does this thing play out? Let me just make a comment here on that. It's much simpler than we think. We need to do exactly what Andrew did. We need to find somebody. But you you don't have to get in front of anybody. Just share. When you're at the restaurant, the server comes with your food. Do you ever say, listen, I'm going to have a prayer for my meal. Could I pray for you? You're going to get one of three answers when you do that. Either no, that's okay. Or yes, that's good. Or that person is going to open up and say, yeah, let me tell you about something that's going on in my life. This is how relationships happen. we am to talk to you about doing that too. Whatever your need is, uh, just feel free to come on up as we uh, as we stand up, please, and as we.